Hello and welcome to Bothering Strangers with Max Hearing. I'm Max Hearing, and today we have an Olympian. His name is Louis Vito. He he snowboarded for the U.S. Olympic team in the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, and he is now in the process of qualifying for the 2022 Olympics for Team Italy. So changing allegiances there a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, been, he's been a pro snowboarder since 2005 now, and uh, he's one to watch out for. Louis, how's it going? Guys, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm good. This was uh, it's always it's always difficult getting pro athletes like figure out that timing. Yeah, and I and I also kind of slacked. So as a lot of it's, it was my fault. Could have made it way easier for you, but uh, you stuck with it. So made me feel good. <laughs> That's the second. That's the second time someone's called me persistence today. So I'm running. Yes, with I think persistence is good, man. It's always about that. I know. If I wasn't persistent, I would have probably stopped at this point. Um. So the Olympics are hopefully going to happen next year. You know, you never know anymore. But uh, you uh, not that long ago announced that you know obviously you snowboarded. You got fifth place in halfpipe in 2010 in Vancouver for Team USA. Yep. And you have Italian heritage. Last name's Vito. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, and your grandparents are Italian. And you announced that you're going to snowboard for, you're going to qu- try to qualify to snowboard for Team Italy in 20, yeah. in, the, in the upcoming Olympics. So, what, why, why, what, what was that decision about? Um, well, it was always kind of something that I wanted to do is, you know, obviously I'm American, make it for the US. And, you know, 2010, especially, was so cutthroat back then. It was like almost harder to make the team for the US than it, than it was to do well at the Olympics. And once I achieved that, I was really stoked. And then um, kind of just wanted to honor my my grandmother and my dad's side of the family and do something that, you know, I, not many people have the chance to kind of represent both sides of their family, more or less. And it was just something I thought would be really cool to honor my, my grandmother, especially. So it was something that just took a little bit longer to get all the paperwork and kind of go through that process. And, you know, I had to go through the San Francisco consulate. And I mean, it's over a two year wait list just to get an appointment there, not to mention like, then they have to process everything, which takes a little bit of time. So I actually wanted to do it a little bit earlier, but it just, you know, ended up happening now. Okay. I did not realize it was like that. Uh, so, I mean, what, when when did you decide? When were you like? When were you like? Okay, I'm gonna try in this next coming upcoming Olympics. To, uh, well, yeah, my dad and I have always like kind of spitballed the crazy ideas back and forth, and like just random stuff. And it was kind of one of those things that I wanted to get my citizenship anyways, because I feel like you know a lot of most Italian Americans are very proud of their heritage, and to have the opportunity to have you know both citizenships and really kind of embrace it, obviously um growing up in an italian household it's a lot of tradition a lot of culture a lot of things that are kind of instilled in you in a young age and then um i probably really didn't start taking it seriously until 2016 maybe kind of started getting the ball rolling but i didn't really know what that meant to like the process and you needed how to prove this and how to do this and so you learn it's pretty cool though because i learned so much about um, my grandmother's family and, you know, her parents and stuff like that. And, um, 
I kind of, my dad and I were a part of this group on Facebook that was really insightful and kind of could walk you through so many different avenues to go about it. Uh, so it was a pretty fun learning process. It was also kind of frustrating at certain part, parts getting, you know, this document from New York, this document from Italy, translating this one, translating it to English, translating it to Italian. And it, it was a lot more work than like, hey, my grandma's from Italy. Like, let's do this. It, was, it wasn't as easy. Like that. And I'm younger at, you know, when, when we were kind of talking in my head too, I, I tend to make things sometimes a little bit easier. Hmm. Like, why can't we just do it? Like I, I have yeah. proof. Like, here's a birth certificate. Let's call it. And it was like, no. And I take it you don't speak Italian as well? I've been taking classes. That's like, I grew up and it's funny because as I'm taking classes now too, you learn like certain Italian American words aren't necessarily even Italian, but you're yeah. taught that, that it's Italian. And uh, I took Latin for four years in, in high school as like a deal with my mom to be able to go to boarding school, like snowboard boarding school. So if I would have done it probably quicker after high school, then it would have been a little bit easier. But I finally during quarantine, when quarantine first happened, it was like one thing that I finally like, all right, I'm gonna make time and do this. So I've been taking classes. Because um, I, I mean, it's not one of those things where I'm just like, yeah, I'm going for Italy, I'm going to go to the Olympics and then call it a day. Like I'm, I really wanted to em- embrace it and do it properly. So it got a little bit trickier once kind of we started traveling a little bit more. Like I went to Europe a couple of times at the end of summer uh, for snowboarding and for some uh, paperwork stuff, but it got, got a little trickier with the timing and travel, but I've been, I'll be taking class tomorrow. So I'll have three classes this week. So I've been really trying to do it when I can, uh, but it's, it's been a little bit challenging. It's good for me though, because mm. it's been a while since I've been in school. So <laughs> keep my mind working. How's your Italian now? Yeah, <laughs> Arlo Italiano Umpo. Like I speak Italian a little. Like, I yeah. I picked. I understood that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's like just some things. It's funny because you know with them rolling the R's in the trail, like mm. I I some words, but some words that's really difficult for me to like do that combination. But uh, it's been fun. It's just like I said, it's just going back into kind of the school mode where you're really got to practice. The problem was I got so excited in the beginning and I was doing classes, you know, every other day. And then I was going online and learning more words. And so then before you know it, I'd like, I do note cards and I'm just like bricks of note cards. And it's like, okay, this is like almost too much to like go through every single one. So, um, my teacher, like we do it on Skype and kind of got her to do a little bit more conversational talking in the beginning. Like, instead of asking me what I did or what I'm doing today, like, let's do it all in Italian. So that's been helping. And problem is I'm, you know, when I'm home in Utah, like I don't have any Italian friends here to practice. That's that's shocking. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) I tried, I looked for like, is there any Italian clubs here (laughs) and what's going on? But between COVID and my travel schedule, it's, that would be still be difficult anyways. I've, uh, I've been learning Spanish since the pandemic started. And I, it, it's, it's difficult. I at least have people to talk to, but it's difficult. Uh, I mean, I, I had the same excitement you had at first and yeah. it, it's gone. Once, one, once they brought in past tense Spanish, it was gone. Like, like there was, there That's was exactly no, where I'm, at, right? I'm doing a lot of past tense stuff now. And it's like, if you, if it's an action, you do it this way, if it's not, Oh, but then there's these certain words that you have to memorize that they don't change the same as the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, they're very similar Spanish and Italian. Are are you taking like? Do you have a teacher? Or are you doing like uh, Rosetta? No, or- Rosetta Stone. So like, I I paid for the full Rosetta Stone, right? So like, then you know you pay, and they're like, okay, I have to do it, which is yeah. good. Which is which I say it's a bad thing, but it's a good thing. So I paid for like the full like lifetime Rosetta Stone for Spanish, which is actually like a very it's only about it's only like three hundred bucks. So like, definitely worth it. And I, I so like I don't actually know any of the rules, like. I can recognize them, but I don't know the names of any of the rules or anything like that. Yeah. And I've so, always been a, a hands-on type of person. So yeah, like, for sure. If you got me read like a textbook in, in like any subject, I wouldn't really comprehend it. But if I'm meeting with the teacher and I'm, or somebody's like explaining it to me, I'd get it. And I did really well in school. So it's like when I'm reading this and it's like possessive nouns and auxiliary, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay, let's just start doing some of the book work here. And then I'll hopefully pick, figure it out. Yeah. I stopped. I, when I started, I like, I really wanted to be able to like write well and like, and then I, and then I stopped even like caring about writing now. Like now the only thing I care about is, is just like speaking and like reading and understanding. Yeah. I, uh, it's I want to just get, see, I just want conversational. I want to be able to like talk and even, you know, I have like my, you know, my Japanese friends at snowboard, especially, you know, their English is a little more broken. If I can just get to that part where like, you're still understanding what I'm saying, yeah. but it's not, maybe not like a complete sentence. Like some of the Japanese writers, I mean, especially when they first kind of come on the scene, like they don't really, they're, they're really shy too. Oh, so yeah. you just ask them like, uh, how's pipe like how's the half pipe instead of saying how's the half pipe you say how's pipe good day like you know you just shorten it so if i can just like kind of get to that part then i'll be happy but i have to keep my head down because i look at like where i want to go and where i'm it's at. too much it's too and far well then get kind of discouraged yeah, head down just one day after another it's like uh not i'm gonna be this guy but it's like uh, uh socrates whoever said it's like the more i know the more i don't know yeah I mean, obviously he said it better than that, but it's kind of like the more you learn, the more like, oh, wow, I know so little. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, chipping away. I never I never thought I'd be out here paraphrasing incorrectly from Socrates. Yeah, but it sounds good. You brought it out. I wouldn't have known the difference probably. Like, somebody, oh, too cool. I hope, I hope somebody hears that and, and, and like reads that and is like, that's not, they're, like, they're going to be like, that's Aristotle. It could have been Aristotle. I don't know. Either way, though, I think it's uh, some famous philosopher said something. Yeah, like one this. of them. Um, what a you're uh, you're you're you were on Dancing with the Stars uh, a couple of years ago, and you were on like uh, this like fishing reality show called One yep. Boat Challenge, which I actually recommend everyone watches. I watched some of it in preparation for this. Highly entertaining, like really, oh, yeah. is actually really good. Yeah, that was fun. And, and it's short too. So I mean, it's not like yeah. someone's gonna, like invest, you know, a binge watching. It's like they're all quick episodes, and there's like five, I think, four. There were yeah, there were many, but the, but but they're only twelve minutes long. So it was like yeah, it was just we jam packed it. I mean, that was so fun. We went down to a fishing lodge in Mexico, and it was oh, wow. it was kind of intense because I didn't even know where I was going. You know, Toyota kind of asked me if I would be interested. I said, "Have you fished?" I said, "I mean, yeah, I fished." But they're like, what's your level? And I'm like, I don't know. I Like, I can cast. And so that was definitely an over my head because everybody that, like, quote, unquote, just fishes was like, oh, I'm a guide. My partner, you know, he's at, like, 
I got a fishing boat on this part of Florida, the fishing boat on this part of Florida, a fresh saltwater one. Your partner was, but your partner also fished Willie Young, the former NFL player. That's all he does now. Go to his Instagram, and that's all he does. Is well, fish. I did, I didn't do that, but had he fished a lot before that as well? Oh yeah. Oh, like, so you, like what he does since he's been retired from the NFL. Retired for a couple of years, so you were like the only one who like hadn't, who like had only who with who just who like hadn't fished much. Exactly, but I like got. Cool. I mean, we went down, cool. and I and and uh, what it was called. Uh, Mazalon, Mazalon, or whatever. Mazalon. Yeah, Mazalon. I thought I was going there, and so you like weren't. even then, that was like shortly after those um, fundamentalist Mormons got murdered on the side of the road in Mexico. And I, my mom's like, "Oh, there's no way they're gonna they're still gonna do it." I'm like, "No, we are." And so I ended up going down there, and then I get in the car, we got a bus or a van. And I'm like, "How far is the drive?" And they're like, two hours." And I'm like. We're wow. not be where I thought I was going to be, and I mean we're <laughs> from like the Sinaloa cartel headquarters and stuff. But it was set like this up. Who uh, did, they did were? You do I, it? I, I didn't set it. Toyota was just a part of it and asked if I wanted to do it. But it was sick. It was like the most awesome fishing lodge ever. Not that I've been to many, but like as far as like any kind of like place to go, the food was amazing. The people were amazing, and then like if you just go there. I mean, there's like a bunch of guides that are just chilling on the boat and you just jump on one. They have coolers full of drinks, but they were, all the guides were awesome. And they all grew up in the area on that lake. Um, it's been stocked, but the food was incredible. Like they had the best chefs that were just like, and let's say like, I'm like, man, I really just want nachos. Boom. They'll bring them out for you. But like the meat, the fish, everything was good um, that they served. It was such a great experience. And they're like, what do you want in the morning? I want coffee or orange juice or okay, perfect and they come in your room at like five in the morning mr louie mr willie because we were sharing a room and they open the door turn the lights on and then hot cup of coffee right there or a glass of orange juice right there and then you get up and get after it it was awesome i i would i want to take my my dad out there uh sometime he's got a few fishing lodges too i think there's like two in mexico um one in the amazon and then i think he's building one right now in idaho somewhere but it was such a great experience it, it looked like i've i i don't think I've, i might have fished it once in my life without yeah. fishing it looked really fun oh yeah i mean there's like this place was known for how big of the bass they have which is kind of funny because in the show like we caught some big ones but i mean just granted we were sh- we were shooting a lot during the day which obviously if you want to get really big ones it's like morning or evening but i caught some of the biggest fish i've ever caught and then he's got another one where you're another lodge where it's like you can just catch record number you just always catch them and then it's like the amazon's the amazon so i mean <laughs> you're gonna catch crazy stuff there but it was really cool i mean that was one of the the more fun things i mean toyota has been such a great partner i've been with them for like 10 years or more and i always just like hey whatever you guys want me to do or what I, like i want to <laughs> do weird stuff anything like i mean i've gone and spoke at like an engineering conference uh, that they had all their engineers at and they were having like office Olympics there and we we're just doing fun stuff. I've g- driven a pace car at NASCAR with them. I yeah, shot so something fun. with Antron Brown, who's one of their drag racers. So I got to go to an NHRA race wow. and like be right down there, like where they say, hold your phone really tight. Cause it's going to blow out of your hand from the, That's amazing. the drag racer. Um, obviously the fishing show. Uh, I'm going to go to if everything goes as planned, I'm supposed to go to Tokyo with them and do some content for them in Tokyo. 
Um, but Toyota is just like, it's been great. And they do so much cool stuff that uh, I've been able to do a lot outside of just like, Oh, I snowboard and you know, where you do snowboarding stuff together. It's like, I want to really do as much as possible. That's well, I'm very jealous hearing everything that you just, that you've been able to do. I'm oh wow, it all sounds so fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely very fortunate and, you know, to have a, a brand that you're partnered with for so long. Uh, it's been great. Wow. Mm. One day, one day I'll be able to do all that stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get Toyota to pay for it too. Yeah. I mean, that's always the goal, <laughs> right? To do, you know, do stuff with partners so that you don't have to foot it. I mean, I, I know snowboarding though. I snow, I gotta, I gotta work hard off, off the board too. Like, doing crazy stuff with Toyota and keep awesome brands around because traveling and snowboarding is not cheap. Okay. So uh, let's, let's, let's work on that. Let's work on that then. Uh, how you live in Salt Lake city. I mean, I don't I have many questions. I'm, let's just talk about the money first. Cause how do you pay for all your stuff? Like is Toyota covering footing the bill or are you working? Do you have a day job? Like what's, how does well, that work? Your, your sponsors pay you like a salary and then, you know, you can have incentives in your contracts. I mean, my contracts have kind of morphed over time. Um, and then you might have podium incentives. If you win an event, you get money from the contest. And you, some sponsors might match it, depending. Some people have travel budget. But travel budget was always hard because it's money that you have to use, but you have to, you know, write, show them receipts and stuff. So I would just put it on my salary. Um, so I pay, I mean, my sponsors, I guess, technically pay for my travel, but I pay for it out of the money they pay me um but like if i go to you know if i'm doing an event for a sponsor or for anybody really like they'll cover my my travel and then if it's not a brand i'm partnered with then you know you have a day rate and stuff but for me like toyota sends me wants me to do something that you know they take care of everything um and then that's that but if it's like i want to go snowboarding in alaska i'm going to go pay for that it's not unless I can figure out like, Hey, let's film a commercial for this brand out there. Um, it's all, you know, you, I pay for it. So. And, uh, in the summer, do you go to South America? Do you go to Mount, do you go to Oregon? I've gone to Mount Hood since for a long time, like 20 plus years. And then, uh, we used to go to New Zealand quite a bit. And then Sosfe and, and Switzerland is a pretty popular place right now. So. Do you even so? How often are you in Salt Lake City when it's not when there's when when you can't snowboard? Um, it depends, you know, kind of just what the year's like, what I'm doing that year, what the snow is like, um, things like that. I mean, it's, it kind of always changes, but I travel quite a bit. Uh, but it's I love traveling, and it. I mean, I like getting there. Traveling sometimes is a little bit of a headache. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan. But uh, it's. I mean, for me, it's just I have all these great opportunities. I just try to do as much stuff as possible because there's going to come a time where people don't want me to do things. And then I'm going to be like, man, I really miss doing that. And so I just try to take it all in now, especially when I have no kids um, and things. So I can really kind of enjoy it a bit more. I like how on your website, on your bio, I assume you wrote that. uh, You said, uh, you know, if I wasn't snowboarding, I'd be in school. So it's good. I'm snowboarding. Yeah, that was probably when I wrote that part. I said that because I used to, I, it was a very uh, hard time when I got to a point where like, even if I was in med school, 
like I would have graduated by now. So now I'm like yeah. I have a line right there. It's like med school. I still would go. Oh, I would have been graduated twice. So how does that? I mean, do you think of that? Because like you're you're young, but like in the realm of like your sport, you're you're in your early 30s now. You know, like yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely a long time. It's kind of funny when you see some of these young kids that are like kind of getting into some of the bigger contests, maybe not winning them, but they're kind of getting in, and it's like wow, you were like five years old when I went to the Olympics. <laughs> you know, they're just so young. It's like, it's wild. But um, I just think for me, I just think of it like I've been fortunate um, between having great partners and taking care of myself and the way that I prepare on and off the snow that I've had such longevity in my career. Uh, because there's a lot of times where, you know, people are great snowboarders, but, you know, maybe they – they just haven't had that strong bond with a sponsor or um, they get burned out or they get hurt, but they're such great snowboarders, but it just doesn't make sense for them anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. Uh, what is, I mean, do you, do you like, when you think about like how you eat and how you exercise, I mean, are you, have you had to adjust it? Cause yeah, I mean, I, I, stopped your, drinking, I stopped drinking when I turned 23. Oh, wow. Not when I turned, but when I was 23, I when stopped. you were 23. Yeah. So, uh, that's been very helpful, I think. And I've always kind of taken fitness and eating healthy, pretty serious, but at the same time, like what I do for the last 11 years, probably I didn't do for the first half of, you know, first bit I was aware and I still worked out. I still had a trainer and stuff, but not like to the level that I'm at now. And I always say like, you know, this saves you from some of the falls that could have taken you out you might avoid that. Or if you go into surgery, but you're in shape, your body's running efficiently, then the rehab times cut, cut down quite a bit. Um, and snowboarding's also evolved over time. You know, you can't really do the whole party hard, snowboard hard and still be, you know, super yeah. at the top of your game. It just doesn't work that way anymore. But uh, I've always done, I've always going to the gym and, you know, had a trainer and everything before it was like, accepted i guess as much in snowboarding like it wasn't really that cool and like me stopping like not drinking anymore like that really wasn't that like that wasn't like a cool thing to do yeah what was best for me but i mean i always i still go out i still make sure my friends have a great time and you know just do my thing but i just like being out i don't need to drink but it's funny now like my hangover is like man i got four hours of sleep i'm like feel like i'm so hungover but it's like i'm just really tired (laughs) well Man, I, I'm 23. I it like not not even drinking. Like working out hits me so much harder than it did when I was 18. Yeah, but you probably I, better. That's the thing. So that's what I learned. Like over time, you learn. Like if you're working out hard, you got to make sure that you're eating to recover properly. I'm probably I'm probably doing it poorly, truthfully. But because like, I I can tell you, I two days ago did did a, a leg workout. Like legs. Yeah. I have been out of commission for the last two days. Yeah, like but see, every, I, I it, like everything that. hurts. I kind of like that. It means that you did something. You like went, you went in. I know. Well, I probably, I, I, you know, I think it was my fault because I haven't been working out that much in the pandemic. And I think I went too hard. Yeah. Given and what I've been doing in the past. You got to make sure you're, you know, like I said, you got to eat for the work you're about to do. And like, I'm not necessarily like work, burn more calories than you're putting in your body. Like, I don't really back that, but you have to like, make sure you're eating right after your workout and you're eating the right stuff. And what you're going to do for that day, you're giving yourself the right nutrients and recovery. That makes a big difference. I think if, I mean, I still get mad sore when I have a hard workout day, but still like making sure that I'm eating right. It 
definitely helps with how my body feels afterwards. Do you have a nutritionist? No, but my trainer is this guy, John Schaefer, who I met through Apollo Ono, who's like a mentor and big brother of mine. Yeah, and big, big, big fan of Apollo Ono. Apollo's the, I always looked like who's the most, <laughs> most in shape Olympian anywhere. And he's one of, one of the greatest winter Olympians of all time. I mean, exactly. And so I actually asked Apollo and his trainer was, we were at a, we were at a Dancing with the Stars taping and we were watching and I met his trainer that night at the like, after party. Cause it was a, the finale for the, for Dancing with the Stars that season. And he looked at me and was like, your center of gravity is too high. And I was like, Whoa. All right. How do you know that? Just from looking at me. I don't know. He, <laughs> I mean, he's like old school. I mean, he's, he's had 25 world records in powerlifting world kickboxing champion at 51 trained like any, like from seals to Apollo to anywhere in between. And he just, you know, he, he knows so much about it. Like, I mean, the stuff that he was having me do early on, like people are now, it's like a trendy thing to do. Um, and like, same with what he was doing with Apollo, like at the time, nobody even was talking about it. And so that's been great. And I've been with him ever since. And, but he told me, I'm going to take your body to a place it's never been and back and there again and back. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. I've had NBA trainers up. It's no big deal, man. His easiest workout, like a recovery workout, easiest thing was harder than anything I've ever done. Oof. hands down yeah but i stay on it because like i never want to go back through that process so no it's not terrible again i go check in with them um you know go maybe go do i did like two weeks with them before the season started i'll try to go in the spring for like a week because i adapt real fast and i still do my stuff you know between recovery and all that i do it now so i try to go a week in the spring a week or two in the summer and then i'll try to do a you know a cleanup real quick right before the season starts next year so like right now march still you know you can still snowboard you probably still snowboard for a little while what is like what is like a regular day look like for you so right now we have some events coming up so right now woodward park city opens up at 10 so i'll get there at 10 and pretty much just ride and then depending like if, if i'm riding a half pipe and i'm like actually kind of riding like pretty hard and not just kind of cruising um you know it depends on how long I, I ride for but um i try to do you know, it depends on how the day goes. Like today we rode four and a half hours probably, which is, was a pretty long day. Long, yeah. Was And then I'll do some kind of recovery jog, like nothing faster than a, you know, a 10 minute mile, like try to between, but try to be between oh, 10 and 12 yeah. minute mile and just try to stay on flat ground and just kind of flush your legs and do a little calorie burn, but anything, you know, a little bit faster than that, or like uphills, then you're going to start, you know, you go from like a recovery to actually doing, having a workload and then I'll get more sore, but this is like how I, you know, treat myself and then, uh, make sure I eat well and maybe do some core, but depends on how I, how I'm feeling, how my body's reacting. And then if I'm, then there's some days where I ride and I'm not really like, I just going to go take some laps and then I'll go do my normal lifts and stuff like that. But it kind of depends in season. It's mostly just recovery. And uh, I have such a strong base built that it doesn't take too much. If I really want to get like freaky lean or something I can, I can do in like a week. So you say, so you do half pipe when you say you ride, or do you mean, are you going on the half pipe or you're just hitting like, no, there's, just I mean, the there's, slopes. Some days, there's some days I just go ride, like and go cruise around or, you know, maybe I'll go ride some powder or some jumps. But then there's like days where like when I go ride a half pipe, I can like, I'm actually like sending, like trying to, you know, do stuff, get tricks going. And that's when you, you know, for me, I get a lot of the impact. 
like if I take some flat landings, you know, yeah. then my back might be kind of sore and stuff like that. It sounds like theoretically, it sounds really fun to be like able to snowboard, you know, yeah, a hundred days a year or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's fun until you realize that I've been riding with like a tear in my L4, my L5s bulged in pretty much a gummy worm. I that's rode that's your vertebrae, right? That you're talking about? Yeah, my discs. So my discs in there. And then I did that. I rode with that and a broken back one year. I've ridden with my meniscus torn. And then I had to get that 10% out in that drain. I broke my femur in half. I've broke my wrist, rode with a broken wrist, grinded it three millimeters, bone graft from there, from my hip to put in my wrist, separated shoulders, you know, obviously like split, you know, things open between tongue, eyebrow, face, you know, a lot of ligament stuff. I mean, that's all, it's good. But for me, it's at the end of the day, I can only control so much, like eat healthy, be healthy, you know, make sure I take like, risks and not chances like actually more risks are a little more calculated and then whatever happens happens you can only prepare so much but then also it's what's the saying it's like everybody dies but not everybody lives so like for me i'd rather be old and you know achy because i like really enjoyed life than feel 100 percent and didn't really do much so that's the way i look at it how many how many concussions have you had uh do you think I mean, not too many. I mean, I had a big one, a bigger one a couple years ago, but um, I'm really fortunate. I think uh, also I'd, I've been lucky. I've definitely been lucky. I mean, but early on too, it was like any sport, like concussions weren't treated like they were now, like with concussion protocol and stuff like that. But I mean, even this the bigger one I had recently, more recently, like that one I felt I passed everything, but like walking through like a, a ski town village, like just all the noises was like made me mentally exhausted. So I took off some time for that, but now definitely, I mean, I have uh, a lot more hoops to jump through once you kind of smack your dome a little bit. So what's uh, you've been, so you've been professional since 2005, but obviously you were snowboarding since before that. Uh, what's changed? Like when, when, you know, with, with training, with like, attitudes uh you know uh treatment of concussion that type of thing i mean i think everything just evolves right snowboarding is fairly a new sport if yeah for sure things um so obviously equipment gets better uh terrain parks get better the people building them are obviously getting way better um then you know everything's kind of getting bigger too i mean rails are getting bigger jumps are getting bigger half pipes are getting bigger the tricks are getting bigger because everything's evolving. I mean, it's constantly evolving. And then, you know, you get the next generation and they're what you did were the first ones to do is not as like big of a deal. And so they take that because they learn that earlier and then they work on something else and then the next gen and so on and so forth. So it just keeps building. Um, and I think, you know, as that happens, people kind of start, you know, getting bodied a little bit more on tricks and then kind of have to start, taking care of their body a little bit more and doing more recovery stuff and seeing PTs and masseuses and stuff like that. And um, then the, you know, the Olympics happens and that brings it to a whole nother level as far as like the eyes on the sport, people learning the sport um, sponsors coming into the sport. I mean, everything kind of just grows. I think it's just an evolution across the board. I I mean, you were, you can, you were, you placed fifth in 2020 in 2010 in Vancouver 
what changed? I mean, when you were there, like obviously for years you've been competing like like Winter X Games, you know, top top events, but people don't watch that the way they watch them, the Olympics, like you said. So what changes when you're competing there? I don't think really much changes for me. It was like, you're dealing with so much hoopla going on at the Olympics, like between like checkpoints and this and this, and like, there's so much random stuff that's like not part of snowboarding that when you got to the half pipe, you're like, finally, like I'm at my, like my happy place, my comfort zone. Like I'm chilling, you know? Whereas like, I mean, it was just like so much like, well, I think we go through like three or four checkpoints and metal detectors and stuff like that. So like when you get to the half pipe, you're like, yes, I'm finally getting to snowboard. Like I'm here. Okay, good. Um, but it's, but I think also like the lifestyle, I mean, people pay attention more with social media. I mean, look at social media, how it's changed for better or for worse for a lot of like people's lives. I mean, it's not just like athletes or celebrities or anything. I mean, anybody like it just puts a microscope on a lot of people's lives. And uh, the Olympics did that with snowboarding where people didn't care about snowboarding, but people also thought, and still think a lot of times that snowboarders are a bunch of stoners and they're idiots. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. People do yeah, think people that. that, you know, a lot of companies that people don't even realize that were, you know, started by a snowboarder. Like, I mean, the guy who started Lululemon, like he used to own a snowboarding outerwear company called West beach. So it's like chip crushed that. And now he's in Lululemon. People don't like, Oh yeah. I thought snowboarders and people in snowboarding are idiots. Like Lululemon's how big? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's like things like that. You know, what's weird. It's that they view snowboarders that way, but then when, but then skiers, right. Are like much more sophisticated human beings in their eyes. That's because skiing is such a, also like a, such a wealthy sport. I mean, snowboarding is definitely getting more and more expensive with lift tickets and equipment and stuff, but snowboarding was always the rebellious sport from ski racing, mostly or skaters or surfers that wanted to be on the snow. But like, you know, ski racing is, normally like more of a ritzy type of sport i mean it's kind of like a lot of you know i guess golf but there's people that go golf that you know aren't from a country club but there's no like alternative right there's not like a a different type of golf which would be like what snowboarding is i think right you know know, i'd go to school with like kids and with that are all ski racers and they're like oh for the summer i'm gonna go stay in nantucket and i'm gonna go you know to this place and i'm like okay, I'm going to be in Ohio chilling. Like, I don't, I might go to Mount Hood and go snowboard, but I mean, these people are like their second homes here and there. And it's like, I think that's also like why we still have three resorts in the U S that don't even allow snowboarding. Is that true? Yeah. We have two of them in Utah, Alta and Deer Valley don't allow snowboarding. I had no idea. I, that, that, that's crazy to me. The other one's Mad River Glen, I believe. And that's on the East coast, but yeah, there's like no snowboarding there. Can't wow, snowboard. that's so interesting because like in California, like obviously I, I don't didn't grow up near any snow near near mountains, but like snowboarding is a big deal because yeah, of surfing. It, it, it's, I mean, it's 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 definitely gotten less rebellious, I feel, in a sense, um, than what it used to be. Which is funny. Like there was a snowboard company that used to make a sticker that said it was better when skiers hated us, or like better when you hated us, kind of thing. Um, but it's kind of the evolution. But it's cool because in snowboarding, there's still no like right or wrong in my eyes it's you know you, me and you can do the same trick i do the same grab as you everything i mean it'll make it look completely different and there's not like a right or a wrong like if you want to go ride pow you can go ride pow if you want to go do contest do contest you want to ride rails go ride rails there's no right way to do it you just do whatever you want and however it makes you feel and you know enjoy it that's my whole thing is just go out and enjoy it and that's the best part about snowboarding 
it's much it seems much less like restricted yeah exactly i mean like we don't have like a this trick is worth this points this trick is worth this many and you have to do it like that like gymnastics you know you salute the judges you have like what your routines based out of these maneuvers or whatever are x amount of points like we don't have that but it's hard because judging is subjective right so one day i could have like a sick run and get no point, like get a crappy score, go to the next event, do the same run, ride the exact same thing, and then get a banger score. So there is like, you know, that's probably the hard part, but the judges have a hard part because they're watching all these people ride doing some of the same tricks, different style, different amplitude, all this. And then it's like, you got to separate. How do you separate these people? Has there been a tournament like an X Games, maybe the Olympics, uh, oh, like a, a, a whatever tournament where, where you did a couple rounds and you just you just thought you were judged poorly yeah of course we always say like the thing saying we say is like sometimes you get the elevator and sometimes you get the shaft and you and you just deal with it like that's it, but it, was, it i always say you got to control the controllable i can only control how i ride so i my only thing would be ride better so the judges have no choice but to give you a good score and then there's been times where i probably didn't shouldn't have won like so and so maybe rode better than me but i got hooked up and yeah so uh, I know we have to end soon. So, you know, obviously the Olympics, you know, the Holy grail of like mo- most sports, like except soccer, when they have the world cup, it's like, that's the biggest thing. It is the Olympics. Um, you did not medal at the Olympics. Was that like, was that like a big disappointment for you? I mean, you got fifth, which is still obviously like really yeah, good. Yeah. When, you, when, when you think about how many snowboarders there are. I think it was because I thought I should have done better, <laughs> but um Again, you just remind yourself, you can only control what you can do. Like I can't control how other people ride or the scores, but that's was hard. I think the hardest for me was 2014 because I missed maybe one, like two podiums between like Vancouver to um, the qualifiers for 2014 Olympics. And then I was doing runs that have never been done and like crazy combinations and I could not get on the podium. I was like fourth place, fourth place, fourth place. Wow. So I didn't go to 2014. Yeah. That one was like the hardest. Cause I was so focused. I was eating healthy. I had my trainer. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't partying. I was like, just like riding and I was riding really well all the way up to it. And then I didn't. And then Russia was like a challenging pipe. And I remember Jake Burton who um, recently passed away, but obviously the godfather of snowboarding he, he said to me twice at the Burton U.S. Open, he's like, oh, man, you should have been in Russia. You would have killed it. And I'm like, I feel like I would have too because I was right. I mean, I could do my run in any kind of half pipe. Yeah. be challenging there. So I think that was actually harder because of how well for the net, for the last like three years going up to it, I was riding so good and I just couldn't get a score. And I mean, it is what it is. It's just part of it. I mean, I, I can't – I have no regrets. That's the main thing, right? Like Apollo – has a book called zero regrets. And it's just something that, you know, we have always talked about too. It's like, I want to, when I finish my career, that's why I stopped drinking. I want to finish my career. I was in the best shape I could be in. I was the healthiest I could be in. I was focused. I was hardworking. My thing has always been, I mean, obviously the Midwest and my dad coming from an immigrant mother, single mother too. It's just like that blue collar work ethic. Like you want to be the hardest working on and off the snow. So like, if I can do all those things, I don't get a score. Well, that is what it is. As I can, yeah. everything I can control, I did the best to my ability, and so that's kind of what you have to remind yourself. Um, and in 2018, I was I broke my back at the first contest, and then 
I was just like, I was getting cortisone shots in my back and it just came to a point where my back's like, no, we're done. So that one was kind of a wash. I actually just stopped. I didn't even do the last two, I think, because my back was so jacked. So like at those points, I couldn't even put a sock on one of my, and I was trying to ride and I was like landing with my hands on my knees. And as soon as like, like, that's not safe. So I was like, at the one contest, my coach is like, nah, you're done leave. And so then I just need to do the rest of them because I couldn't keep getting cortisone bad to keep getting injected. So yeah. at that point I was like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. How close were you to being selected for the 2014 team? I'm not really sure. I was probably, I would say I'm like, was like fifth, maybe sixth. And they take four. I don't really know how that, I didn't. I mean, for me, it's like all or nothing, right? You either make it or you don't. So how right. Do you, no, of course. No, 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 no. So I just don't really know the answer. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I guess. It's so, I guess, like skiing and well, like skiing half pipe and snowboarding half pipe and gymnastics. They're so they're such subjective sports. Yeah, and I mean it's it's also great in a sense too because it's like keep like you said. I mean, like we said, like you can do like how do you really score a trick that's we're doing the same trick, same grab, and it looks completely different, like different access, different style, a different way you poke it. So it, I mean, it's it's definitely fun. I don't think that having a point system for tricks will be the answer ever. It's just, it is what it is. It is. I, I, I mean, that's what makes it great. You just keep doing your thing and trying to keep mixing it up and it kind of forces you to kind of mix it up. So is there another system that might be better or no, I think they've done different scoring systems as far as how they score. Like, is it overall impression? Is it like breaking amplitude? This person scores amplitude. This person scores trick difficulty. This person score. I mean, they've tried different ones like that. And I mean, it's, everything's evolving. So everything's like in 98 Olympics, it was combined score of two runs. Now, I mean, now it's not, it's like, not, now they take the better run, score, right? Some over two runs, some contests are three runs. So, I mean, everything kind of changes over time, but I think it's, it's going in. It's, I still like it. I mean, I still enjoy competing. And so I don't really, it doesn't bother me enough to make a change for anything or like, have, like brainstorm it. Yeah, I to to me it's just like as somebody who like grew up playing team sports, it's just like it it just frustrates me like like as a concept. See, I think it's hard team. I did like ODP soccer and stuff growing up, but that's hard because I could have the best game of my life, but my teammates didn't try. They played bad, and that's it. And this one, like, it's in my hands. It's all the only person I can blame is myself, really. If you're, if you want it, yeah. If, if, if like, if you're the type of person, which I, I guess you specifically are, yeah. then, then that's like, that's where you want to be. You know, it's like, okay, it's me. I know I'm wrong. The only person to blame is myself or, you know, the judge. Yeah. Depending, depending on how you're feeling that day. Maybe like 15 minutes and I'm good. Like figure out what you, what they think. And you'll probably see them at another event judging. So it's like, find out what they think and build off of that. Hmm. Interesting. I never thought of, I never thought of it where you can kind of, scout the judges i mean we know most of them i've known most of them like you know 10 plus 15 years so it's like you see them out that night and you can't yell at them a lot of them are like old snowboarders and people that have been in the sport a lot of them and so it's like i mean you have a relationship so normally it's better to have like your coach maybe figure out why they scored you bad and then go from there but I mean, what do you really get accomplished by yelling at somebody anyway? So it's like, and plus you're going to see him again, like five more times that year. Then then you're just out here burning bridges. And the other thing, I mean, like I said, it's hard to be a judge. Like I wouldn't want to be a judge. I could give you, this person wrote better, but then you also have to give them a score and slot them right. 
and that can play in, let's say somebody that you didn't think was riding well in practice or you haven't heard riding well, all of a sudden just like goes out of their mind and then you're screwed in your, in your system. So it's, it's definitely hard. Where does uh one last question, where does like the, you know, there's, there's like a roster, like who's who snowboards first, who goes second, third, where does, does that matter? Um, so in qualifying, it's random really. So it's like, they like break, there's like points for people, like where they're ranked and stuff, but that can be skewed because like a lot of people might not do every event because it doesn't matter for this sponsor doesn't care. Like I didn't do a lot of these world cup contests that were in Europe and, and stuff because it wasn't really on TV over here. And I, you know, would do the big ones, X games, grand prix, do tours, all those ones. So then it kind of gets skewed that way, but then it's the orders random. And then it's reverse qualifying. So then maybe some people like love to drop last. I just, it's not, I don't really try to drop first. First is kind of hard because you're kind of like where the scale is going to start. Like, you're, you're, you're setting the tone. Yeah. So that's kind of hard, but yeah. you know, you still see some people that drop in first and will win, but it's just, I think it's a little more difficult regardless of how hard you try for it not to be the, the case. It normally is. But, but other than first, like you're good. I really care. Okay. All right, well, there you go. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry I'm a, I was a pain, but you, man, you crushed it for me. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, no problem. I, I personally, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not like, a, I don't know a whole lot about snowboarding. So okay, I don't expect people to though. Oh, that's good. It's good. I learned a lot. Uh, thank you for letting me bother you. Uh, where, where can everyone find you? At Louis Vito, everything. That's pretty much it. At Louis Vito for, oh, for everything. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Your website, even? Yeah, my website's probably a little old, but we'll go. It is. Yeah, that's crazy. I was on the website. And I'm like, what was this bill? Like 2012 or something like that? Yeah, I'm trying to stay young, man. Forever. No, it's good. It's good. I, well, you're, you're pushing that age where it's like, am I young? So I get that too. Exactly. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening. Uh, follow Louis at, 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 at Louis Vito. Yeah. Everywhere you get your stuff. And uh, hopefully we'll see him in the Olympics next year. Let's go. Let's go. So thank you for watching and everyone stay safe. Ciao.